1: You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle
0: and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground.
2: Picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again on Overtime Media.
1: Hi. Oh, hi hello, everybody in Broadway country. Welcome to the Gut Reaction with the Dove Valley Deep Divers on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson. And Joining me, as per usual, is Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst, my good friend and colleague, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, obviously, this has been a breath of fresh air. Football is finally back on screen. We just watched the Broncos relatively dominate, especially in the first half against the the Dallas Cowboys. Granted, uh, we didn't see a lot of the starters play. Uh, Calvin Anderson was one that... We really got to see a lot of Baron Browning was another guy that seems to be a a guy that steps in quick, fast and in a hurry for this Broncos team as far as the edge depth is concerned. So, dude, how are you doing tonight?
3: Dude, I'm excited. Football's back. I mean, being able to actually watch the Broncos, being able to see everything and all the hype that has been built up. We're finally starting to see it out there on the field. It's great. Like, I'm super excited for it. I'm excited for the season. I'm excited for the game. I'm excited for a lot of guys who sit out because they're my guys during the draft process. Guys, I was excited the Broncos landed. Like It's just a very exciting time because we're through the dark times Mm -hmm. of what we've had to deal with for the past few years, and it's definitely looking like a good season coming forward.
1: Yeah, I, I cannot wait to get into, first off, just the rest of the the preseason, regular season, and to break down this game with everybody here. We've got a bunch of people in the room already. The comment stream is just just flying off the handle right now. We'll get to everybody in the chat stream. Say hello to everybody here in just a minute. But first, guys, we do have to give a shout out to our presenting sponsor of this week, Manscaped. Guys, uh, fellas, Fantasy Football Draft is right around the corner. It's time to get Yourself looking right for all of your fantasy football drafts with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Guys, the leaders in below the waist grooming have created a championship lineup with their performance package 4.0. So guys, join 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MHH.
3: Yeah, and with their their performance package 4.0, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0. The hair trimmer, you can also find the weed whacker, which is for your ear and nose hair. There's some deodorant, some reviver um, toner. There's some and some amazing box of briefs that you and I, Lance, we just consistently swear by. And a really cool travel bag that's really good to use. And it's just everything that you need to take care of your body and be and your grooming like they have it all. Um, So you guys can go get 25, 20 percent off with free shipping with the code MHH at manscaped.com that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code MHH at manscaped.com and basically it's just time to get back into taking care of that you're taking care of yourself
1: yeah take care of yourself last night I wasn't like completely trimmed around and whatnot I used my uh I have a more 3.0 I need to upgrade to the 4.0 uh mine's getting a little rough around the edges and just get that Nice and crisp lineup and whatnot like that. But tonight I look a little bit better anyways. But uh, we're going to say hello to everybody before we get into uh, our analysis really fast. We've got uh, Jay Valentine in in the chat. We've got Dylan von arx as well. Um, We've got... David in Kathy Lund in the house. As per usual, we've got William Canalano as well. Um, hello to everybody that is joining us. Jace, uh, Jace for the win as well in the house. Um, pretty much just want to say hello. And thank you all for joining us on Dove Valley deep divers with this gut reaction to what we just saw with, uh, the Dallas, uh, the Dallas Cowboys getting their quite literal butts handed to them by the Denver Broncos, um, second and third team for the most part. But, uh, with that, guys, get all of your comments, all of your reactions, any questions you have for us on based on what we saw, based on what you saw, any reactions you got, we'll answer as many questions as we possibly can, uh, as, and as obvious, all of our Super Chats and, and Stars comments, we'll get to every single one of those guys, but Eric, before we get into it, I want to just give a quick update here there was a couple of injuries i want to very first off um, start our analysis with obviously on the second play of the game linebacker jonas griffith went down with what appeared to be a left arm injury of some kind i'm hearing potentially an elbow injury eric is that pretty much what you're hearing
3: yeah that seems to be the case we'll probably get more information about that over the coming days doing some testing and stuff like that
1: yeah so uh, that's a that's a big blow to a, an already questionable linebacker core that the Broncos have. Obviously, they've got uh, Josie Jewell coming back off the torn pectoral from this last season. J- uh, Jonas Griffiths was figuring to be a guy that was going to be a, a- – a cornerstone for this Broncos defense, a guy that was out there not only on first and second, but also on third down as that covers linebacker. So to see him go down, uh, we watched a lot of Alex Singleton tonight and he seemed to play at least fairly decently, although there was some missed assignments from him and there's just a a lot of questions going into this. It's a big blow to this defense.
3: Yeah. And it's actually, we have Anthony Edwards coming in with a $9.99 donation saying what's happening guys. looks like Browning may move back to the interior or sign um, Joe Shobert, maybe uh, Alexander Johnson is an option well as well. Sad about Jonas Griffith; he was my breakout player this year. Um, who knows? He he may not be out for very long. It's we don't have all the full information there. I based off of tonight, I don't think they're moving Baron Browning away from edge. Like he showed that he is a legit player off the edge, and a little bit frustrating they kept him playing throughout the whole game. Right. But to a degree, I understand it at the same time because they wanted to get him as much experience as possible. But fortunately, he got banged up on a special teams play. Fortunately, it wasn't severe and he was able to come back in the game. But signing somebody's definitely an option, and they need to. We watched a lot of Alex Singleton, as Lance said, and it was rough, in my opinion. I mean, there were some nice fills against the run, but there was a lot of times he was hitting the wrong lane. He was over-pursuing. There, one of the worst was that he just was completely lost in coverage as the pass was completed right next to him. Like, he just completely lost sight, wasn't keeping his eye on the quarterback, didn't know where his guy was. He was completely lost. So definitely think we should see somebody signed, because for me, Singleton looks like, at best, the fourth linebacker, and Sernot actually showed me a little bit more to push for that spot.
1: I agree with you. I thought Justin Cernod played very, very well tonight. He was all over the place in, in run run contained. He filled his gaps well. He was in, in pass coverage as well. Kind of getting back to that form that he was coming out of college from, from Wake Forest. Like There was a, a legitimate chance that he was going to be one of those guys that could fill in as that, that coverage linebacker on later downs. And we got Jack Smith coming in here off the top rope with a massive $35 donation from, I'm guessing, NZ New Zealand. So, Jack, you're up early. Or, or, well, yeah, I guess it should be early over that way. Jack, also, new name. Thank you for joining us, man. We really appreciate your your support. Nothing to say, just showing some love, and we appreciate you for being here, man.
3: Yeah, and, I mean, there's a lot of great players um, that had a good game tonight. And at the linebacker position, I mean, we saw how weak the depth is. We saw why it's a concern. I saw somebody in the chat ask about Roquan Smith. As nice as that would be, I still don't see the ability to go get him because that's going to cost a lot, not just in terms of draft picks, but it's going to cost a lot in money. I mean, part of the reason why he's doing what's called a hold in with the Chicago Bears, even though he's off the public, he's showing up, he's not practicing. He wants a big contract and they're not willing to give it for it. So I don't it's just hard to see them get a deal done when you're already your first pick isn't until the third round already.
1: Yeah. I I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. And like you said, with the Russell Wilson contract coming down the pipe um, you you've already spent a lot of money on Tim Patrick, who unfortunately is on injured reserve. We all know that the, the Cortland Sutton deal is, is on the table as well. And looking even for, further into the future, you have Pat Sertan who is showing out even in, in year two already as being a, a legitimate cornerback, the cornerback market is starting to get inflated as well. So going out and paying for uh a lesser valued position at the linebacker position, like a guy like Roquan Smith is probably just not in the cards for this Broncos team. Uh, The other injury that we have to get a a little shout out to here is backup safety. Delarin Turner yell has been being, is being uh, evaluated for a concussion. Eric, I'm not sure if you had saw, had seen anything on that. No. Okay. Um, So those are the two big injury concerns that we have to really address. Now, Eric, getting into the, just the overall analysis and the major takeaways of this game, you you kind of touched on one player that I really want to get your opinion on. Uh, we're making the move from off-ball linebacker to the edge position. He was all over the field with multiple flash plays, had a big sack on a speed spin move, uh, kind of went down to the ground, got back up on a massive uh, effort sack, uh, stunting and twisting all over the the uh, defensive line, helping the interior defensive linemen like Anyoma Ine- Awazirika get home early. The athletic ability is going. Baron Browning, dude, this guy is an absolute monster. He is
4: getting that just right temperature
1: is the truth at the edge position.
4: Yeah,
3: and I mean, he's looking, like I said earlier, he's looking like he's going to be legit off the edge. That's why I don't think he's moving back. And I saw, I think it was Kathy Lund said, asked in chat why he was playing special teams. Well, in the regular season, we're going to see him on special teams. If you're not a starting edge rusher, you're playing special teams, at least a little bit. Um, Howie comes in saying, Virgil looks to be the answer for Tim. Love the tough catches and size. Uh, Virgil had a great night. I mean, yeah, he was one of my guys to make this roster. I don't think that happens, though. It was very clearly that he seems to be like that receiver seven or, or receiver eight after, you know, Brandon Johnson, um, Washington, and um, uh, Seth Williams. He seems to be that next guy. He is the guy that I could definitely see them. Hey, dangle a little bit for a potential trade, kind of like they did last year. Yeah. Um, before the season with sending the receiver to the Lions, whose name consistently escapes me. Um So I think that's a possibility for, if not, I think they're going to keep him around as a practice squad because his speed is a legit threat. And he just ran by a couple defenders multiple times. One of them, one of the deep passes was unfortunately underthrown. Otherwise it could have been a huge touchdown from Brett Rippin and Gary Lee's Palmer comes in with some starts saying, Hey, Lance and Eric, go Broncos. Let's ride. Yes, definitely. Let's ride football's back. Super excited for that.
1: Yeah, that Jalen Virgil catch down actually had a couple of them. Uh, the first one was a, a deep 42-yard completion with uh, Brett Rippon back in his end zone. Got his hand hit down the, down the left sideline. Absolutely massive throw first off to get your hand hit while you're releasing the football and put it on point. Jalen Virgil made a great play down the sideline there. And then that second deep catch that he had where he went up and high pointed the football was absolutely amazing to watch. We've got Jack Smith jumping back in here again. He says it's Sunday afternoon for me. Just love this team and enjoyed watching Baron uh, Baron Browning play. Awesome. And the same with Brandon Johnson. Brandon Johnson was actually another player that I really wanted to kind of focus on because with Tim Patrick going down, you need that big body receiver on the outside that can run. He actually did a really good job early. It was a third and five. I believe it was uh, in the first half. It was right before. Uh, I believe it was the, the long touchdown to Kendall Hinton down the left sideline from Josh Johnson, where Brandon Johnson ran a whip route. So he goes up, runs out and then comes back to the inside of the field, got himself wide open, made a terrific hands catch, got himself out in front and caught the ball. Like Brandon Johnson shows to be the guy that can be a a potential player to be that full time, maybe potential Tim Patrick replacement. Eric, what did you think of Brandon Johnson tonight?
3: I liked him. I think he's one of those guys that's poised for it as we're talking about it. Thank you chat for reminding me Trinity Benson. I don't know why I can't remember (laughs) that name. Um, I only, you know, saying his praises for the last, well, from last year for like the two years prior to that. Um, but wide receiver talking about it, I think we only keep six receivers. And it's going to be tough. That's going to lead to some tough cuts. You have fives that are going to mainly contribute on offense and then your primary returner which is Montreal Washington. Who are those two guys? I think it's Kendall Hinton and Brandon Johnson at this point. Brandon Johnson, I, he had one bad drop from Josh Johnson when Josh before John, Josh 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 Johnson started to turn it around where the ball just sailed through his hands, but he bounced back. I mean, nothing, everything coming out of camp has been how reliable he has been. And that is the biggest thing that you are losing out with Tim Patrick going down is the reliability. And that's what you got to replace. Hinton showed his good, his reliability. Johnson is reliable. I think those two make it. And unfortunately it is going to lead to some tough cuts or maybe they ease that by trades.
1: Yeah. Kendall Hinton might be the one that could potentially be on the the way out. They don't need another slot receiver. And with the the reliability and the experience that he does have, he doesn't bring anything special teams wise. So that might be the guy to look out for as a potential trade piece. We've got Tina jumping in here saying that she was not impressed by this year's second round pick, Mr. Nick Benito out of Oklahoma. And there, there's a lot of concerns here. And the, the biggest thing to me was his his run defense coming out of Oklahoma. He doesn't play with the physical strength and stuff like that that you want to have from a true edge center. Tonight, I thought he actually played fairly decently. There was a couple times where he did set a decent edge. There was a one place specifically where he got up and under with a got up and under with a rip move to come back to the inside and actually got a tackle for loss in the backfield. So I, I think that while it may not be the the impact that you want to see from a guy drafted at the tail end of the second round, you want to hope that that guy could potentially be a starter. There's still a long ways to go with him. So maybe have just a little bit of patience with him. We'll see what he develops here in just another couple of weeks.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, he's still a rookie. He's still growing. He's still developing. Before I continue on that, Shiloh, thank you for the dollar donation. We appreciate that. Um, We appreciate everybody's support. The thing with Benito, as you said, is that, playing against a terrible offensive line of the Cowboys, we saw how terrible it was during joint practice. He had maybe three plays where yeah. it was like, where you looked at him and he said, that is why he was the 64th overall pick. Yep. And there was a lot of plays like, why was he the 64th overall pick? So I get it with being a little disappointed with what he did, because I am, but he had one play where he did a solid job setting the edge. He just lost sight of the ball. He had one really good pressure where he almost knocked the ball away as Danucci was Um, winding up to throw. He was super close on it. So he showed those flashes that you want to see, but you do. You got to see that consistency. But again, he's a rookie, so you still got to see growth from it. Lawrence Rivera says, it was a good one. I was impressed with Josh Johnson. Um, Yeah, I was too. After the first three drives, the first three drives, Josh Johnson was a baller. I mean, he showed everything that you want to look for inside or out of your backup quarterback. So
1: I was mostly joking when I put this into our group chat earlier. I was like, you know, I'd rather have Josh Johnson now than what we had over the last couple of seasons, specifically last year with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, just because you saw the command and the huddle. You saw the the ability to go and make the play that you absolutely need to have. You saw the big time completion again to Brandon Johnson on third and five. You saw a couple of really nice touchdown throws. Uh, the first one to Seth Williams, the second one to Kendall Hinton, where he put the ball at exactly where it needed to be to let his receivers go and make those plays. That being said, there was a lot of inconsistencies with his, with his accuracy, with the timing on his throws. And he seemed to just fastball the ball too many times in there to his receivers, which led to one go directly through Brandon Johnson's hand. That was a big third down on a slant play. Um, There was another time where he missed, I I believe it was Trey Quinn down the sideline where he kind of just forced it a little bit too far. Um, So, while it may not be perfect, it, it is at least a good sign that the Broncos have at least a competent backup that can step in there and lead a quality drive after you're getting offset early in the in the uh, two-minute drill like you did right at the end of the first half. Uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here saying he really liked Johnson as well. He thought Baron Browning showed a lot of promise, and Benito looked good, but rookie mistakes. Hashtag let's ride. What are your extra thoughts on uh, Josh Johnson really fast? Do you have anything to bounce off of what I had to say there?
3: Um, the thing is, with the backup quarterback, the one my one concern is that it took him a little bit while to bounce back. Mm-hmm. One bad drive, okay, you can live with that. But you gotta you gotta get better. You gotta turn it around quicker, and that's one thing that Brett Rippen did, and that's the only thing that Brett Rippen did that was a little bit better than, um, what Josh Johnson did. Um, Brett Rippen relied so much on timing, but you could tell that the arm strength just isn't there. Um, but yeah, I, I liked what Johnson showed. It's still a battle that's going to continue to go on. Um, in the end, I do think that Josh Johnson is going to go, going to be the winner of it. I do think that they'll want to keep Brett Rippin around on the practice squad. Um, just simply for some trust reasons there with them, um. But going on about some about the game, breaking it down a little bit. One guy who really impressed me, as we were talking about Browning. I mean, if Browning wasn't the most most impressive player, this guy probably was. I said it was. Uh, Matt Henningson was the most impressive player for me. I mean, the dude. I didn't expect him to be able to hold up as a nose tackle. He killed it as a nose tackle. Yes, he did. He looked so good out there. He drew two penalties from the Cowboys' first-round pick or early pick, first-round pick, yeah, and Tyler Smith, two holding penalties, and he drew another one a little bit later on in the game because for being his size and everything, he was surprisingly quick, and he was so sudden with his movements that they had no other choice besides to hold on or he's going to blow it up. Now, he does need a finish place. He had two near-sacks, that both of them where he nearly ripped off the Nucci said that he's got to finish and with this battle on this defensive line i think there's a clear guy who i think for the longest time we've talked about him making the roster now i'm not so sure now he seems on his way out and that's mctelvin Ajim.
1: yeah I, I'm definitely with you on that one. And
4: Peter- college can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org register.
1: Peter Middleton jumping in here really fast. First off, says he loves the show on the first one, but comes right back around and says, so who comes in if Griffith is injured? Um, honestly, I think it's going to be somebody that's off the street because what I saw from Alex Singleton tonight was not necessarily the greatest. And Justin Stern, while he was impressive, was still – not starter quality he's out there playing against second and third stringers and was late on his reads. he was late in his reactions. he filled his gaps nicely and was at least okay in coverage, but there's just some something there with him as far as understanding his his assignments and stuff like that. so to me, I think that it's gonna be it, it will probably be Joe schobert who they brought in um last week to at least take a look at him and understand where he is at. I do want to go back to what your uh, um what your comment was about McTelvin Ajim because I was not impressed with him. There was one play where he got a quick interior pressure, but it was constant with me watching him get blown off of the ball in not only double teams, but single teams in the running game. He was constantly three yards off of the line of scrimmage and then like reading and reacting. There was no play strength up front. Everything that they ran at him was open for at least five or six yards. I mean, the, the Cowboys, I have the box score pulled up here, guys. The Cowboys ran for 141 yards tonight. I'm guaranteeing you at least 80 of those yards were at the expense of McTelman because he was just that bad in the running game.
3: I mean, if, and I'd say that probably another 30, 40 of them were because they targeted Nick Benito. I mean, there was one point where they ran three or four plays directly at Nick Benito and they pulled him from the game unfortunately we didn't see that with Delvin ajim they were throwing him to the wolves saying you got to improve we're not protecting you and he didn't he had one great he had one real nice pressure which we know he can get after the quarterback we know what he can do as a pass rusher that's not the concern the concern is what he does against the run he was able to get up get up the middle pretty quickly bat the pass down that's great but when you are consistently getting thrown off the line of scrimmage by a single um by a single blocker, that's not a good sign to make it in the NFL. I mean, it's an issue that the – it's a conversation that the Chargers talking about division opponent. Jerry Tillery has the same issue, and they're talking about moving on from him too. And he's shown much more as a pass rusher inside. Um, the Broken Pirates comes in from Twitch. Always appreciate our guys who come in and support us over on Twitch. says, do you think we keep six receivers? If so, what six? What does that mean for tight end? Well, I already touched on how I think they only keep six receivers and who they are. Um, obviously, the your top three with Hinton, Washington, um, and Johnson among them. Um, based off of how they use the tight ends tonight, I'm leaning towards they keep all five.
1: I I don't disagree with you on that. I I really don't with with Beck, even though he does play that that tight end specific role. Eric Tomlinson actually surprised me tonight with his route running, getting out in space and stuff like that. He had one big catch down the middle of the field where he sat down in the middle of the zone, made a nice hands catch, uh, secured a first down for the Broncos. Uh, They moved him around a lot. They targeted him, I think three or four different times. So Tomlinson was the one guy that I was like, you know, I'm not so sure just because he's a blocking tight end only. It's just, it's, it's so hard to, to figure out that role. So to me, I I'm, I'm right there with you after seeing him in action. I think Tomlinson might have a role at least as a backup player. Um, and, and also on special teams. I thought he had a couple of nice plays on special teams tonight as well. Cody Potter jumping in here saying uh, good night for football. Now listening to you boys with star Wars playing in the background. Is there anything better, Eric?
3: No, there is nothing better except maybe not having to listen to Lance as part of it. That's probably but, the only thing.
1: I can make. Hey, 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 why, why the <laughs> unnecessary shots guys? Why the <laughs> unnecessary shots here? Hey guys. Uh, We got a ton of people in the room here and we thank everybody for joining us. Do us a quick favor and please click that like button one time. And while you're at it, click the share as well. Uh, Please click the share out, get it out in in front of as many Broncos fans as possible because without your guys' support, we couldn't do what we do best, which is cover the Denver Broncos here. So uh, Shiloh, he's jumping back in here with another super chat. Thank you, Shiloh, for joining us. How much of the quarterback play do we credit to the new coaches? I think that it's not necessarily just the quarterback play. They mentioned it specifically on the broadcast. If you were kind of paying attention, Chad Brown, former NFL player, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's on 104.3 The Fan now, was mentioning specifically Montreal, Washington. And then I noticed it right after the fact. uh, Brandon Johnson catching the football over the middle of the field in the two-minute drive where they didn't just toss the ball down. They didn't roll it across the ground. They didn't find the nearest receiver and throw it to him. No, they ran it back to the middle of the field. They found the referee to get the ball spotted. That's coaching. That is like getting your players ready for specific moments, saying we don't have time to mess around here, guys. We have to get ourselves set. We have to get our feet underneath us, get the ball spotted, get set into formation, and get this playoff as fast as we possibly can. Because – we don't have very much time here. We like, we don't want to waste these valuable timeouts. The Broncos right before that had to waste a valuable timeout because they weren't set. They didn't get the ball back to the official mantra. Washington was running across the formation, illegal formation call. So they throw the flag 10 second runoff right after that back to back plays. Both times they set the ball right back at the official's feet. That's coaching to me.
3: Yeah. And it's great. I mean, but how much of that is, how much is with the between the quarterbacks and the coaching staff? That's hard to say. I mean, the one thing that I will say is that the play calling tonight, while not super creative, you're not going to get very creative in the preseason. It just doesn't happen. It was a breath of fresh air seeing how players were utilized mm-hmm. and being utilized in the right way that benefits their skill set, something that Pat Shermer just couldn't do. Um, going back to linebacker, because there's a lot of talk about this going on, I don't think Alexander Johnson is the way to go just simply because of what you're looking to fill with this scheme is different than what Alexander Johnson brings. He does make some sense. Cause you know, he has chemistry with Josie Jewell. I think Joe Schobert is probably more likely other or going somewhere else. And then the running game. That's another one. Nathaniel Hackett in his post game press game or post game conference mentioned that the run game, like it's got to get going. It's got to improve. I'm not really making a judgment on Mike Boone and what he showed because the offensive line absolutely did nothing. Like the run game was just completely shut down. They, they totaled 39 rushing yards on 22 carries. Like the offensive line did nothing.
1: Yeah. The offensive line was, uh, Pretty bad up front. Chad, I want you to, while you're in the back there, I want to get that uh, comment from Jess really fast. And I, I want to bring this to Eric, your attention here. I just saw it in the uh, um, the chat stream. We'll grab Jess really fast. And thank you, Jess, for, for jumping in here, man. We really do appreciate you. Uh, $2 uh, super chat donation for uh, Baron Browning and Kendall Hinton's play, thumbs up. I'm, I'm right there with you. But I, I don't want to maybe do a report here, but I, I'm seeing some chat about... The uh, injury to uh, Jonas Griffin coming, Jonas Griffith coming in here. Uh, he suffered a potentially suffered a dislocated elbow. It's definitely
3: possible, but what Hackett said was that they're still evaluating him.
1: Okay. Um, so I, I, again, I don't want to like cause any. Big concern or something like that. I, I, again, I just saw that on the on the comment stream. And thank you guys. If we can get a, a an official report here, Eric, while I kind of scroll back through here and get our conversation going again, um, that that's a big cause for concern for me. And it would really entice the Broncos to go out and maybe make a signing like a Joe Schulbert um, who, or whoever is on, maybe Alexander Johnson. Regardless, they need to. Oh,
3: Jonas Griffith told Troy Rank that he dislocated his
1: elbow. That's about well, as it's,
3: close it's, it's from Jonas Griffith's mouth, but he yeah, that's,
1: that's about as close to the source as you can get, and that's a big blow for this Broncos defense. Uh, Anthony Edwards jumping in here with a fairly generous super chat, and Anthony, we appreciate you for that. Uh, thoughts on Mike Boone with his price range the special teams already looks better, so what is his real value, or is it O line depth issue?
3: It's O line, I mean, they were the Cowboys were consistently in the backfield before anything can get going. Um, Quinn Bailey looked absolutely horrendous at guard. He saw, he settled down a little bit with left tackle. Then they moved him back into guard, and he looked fine there, but the first stunt was bad. Um, Luke Wattenberg was getting owned at center. Like, there there's just so many issues on, on the offensive line that it made it hard to evaluate what the running backs were doing. Um, but it's, there is some good news that the average timeline for a dislocated elbow is about four to six weeks. So if... We do miss Jonas Griffith, it won't be for very long in the regular season.
0: About maybe Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair.
2: Two, three, four games. So that's some positive yeah. news.
1: Still, though, I mean that, that that's a big blow. Even even early in this season, the Broncos have a fairly decent schedule lined up in front of them. So th- they may not need to have him right away, but to have a guy that has the athleticism, the coverage linebacker ability that Jonas Griffith does possess, that's a a fairly decent blow again to this Broncos defense. Now. To move us back to the game itself, and uh, again, our our thoughts and prayers go up to Jonas Griffith. Hopefully he has a a speedy recovery here. Another player that kind of stood out to me in a specific asset that uh, the Broncos haven't necessarily had a whole lot of luck with in in terms of their special teams unit is Montreal Washington. This guy has been the talk of training camp in terms of his ability to create explosive plays and stuff like that, specifically within the offense, but also as a punt returner. And if you ask me today, he did well enough to prove that he has the punt returner position completely locked up. He had two long punt returns, one of 18 and one of 27 yards. Uh, so to me, that explosive playmaking ability is starting to show itself on the field. Eric, what did you think of Montreal Washington tonight?
3: I mean, he looked good. I think the best thing is that he was decisive. He yeah, got the yeah. ball, he fielded it cleanly, and then he was just quick to go. It wasn't this dancing around that we've dealt with for the last couple of years he would just get it and go. And that's what you got to do. I mean, there has to be some patience for it. So he looked good and it's nice that we finally potentially have a long-term option at a returner in Montreal, Washington. And I think that tonight was enough for him to, you know, cement himself as it Caden Davis. I mean, there was one where it was bad luck. He decided to let it bounce. And then they just got really lucky with the bounce stopping right at the one yard line. Yeah. Um, And the other one was just a bad decision on his part to field the punt. Um, And instead of letting it bounce. So maybe he's Caden Davis is able to make the practice squad, but it seems to be clear that Montreal Washington is the returner. And speaking of, I think we got a kind of clear answer by who didn't play as to who's the starting on the offensive line, at least at four of the five spots. I mean, with Bowles, Reisner, Cushenberry, and Miners not playing, there's your starters. Those are your four starters from left tackle to right guard with Calvin Anderson likely being your right tackle.
1: Yeah, it, I thought that Calvin Anderson played at least decently. They they played him, I think, most of the first quarter. It, it wasn't he bad, got, but it wasn't great.
3: Oh, he got whipped multiple times in pass protection. Okay, like so completely I that. whipped. Like, yeah, it, it, it was it was bad. Like he did all right as a run blocker, which that's what he's known for. He's known for his power as a run blocker. But yeah, he got whipped in pass protection. One of them was really bad. It was one of the play. It was one of the bad throws from josh johnson where i was like i can't really fault johnson so much for that one because he had to make a late adjustment as he's throwing because anderson got beat um so it's it's it it was rough to watch i mean hopefully billy turner is able to make it back and maybe they'll change it up maybe not but something's got to happen with right tackle that is the most concerning position right now
1: yeah. I'm going to grab this really fast and, and give a shout out to Jake. I think we missed this one. So I want to make sure that we touch on everybody that has helped us with super chats and stuff like that. Jake Rogers jumping in here, number of wide receivers we keep and early projections on who makes it. Um, we, we kind of touched on that a little bit, six wide receivers, probably the top three and everything like that. Just wanted to give you at least a shout out and thank you, Jake, for uh, for for jumping in and joining us tonight. Speaking of blocking issues, there's a guy that is projected to be a starter at the tight end position for this Broncos team in Albert Wabanom And I was thoroughly unimpressed with his ability as a blocker, not only in the passing game where he had a massive whiff on a backside play action passing play where Josh Johnson got wrecked in the backfield, throwing the football away. And he was also turned like frequently off of his spot in the running game. Like he was just, not good. There's some concern here about Albert Okawaivan on Eric.
3: Um, he had a couple bad blocks, but he had a couple that were really good and like not his fault. And we didn't get to see what he was able to do as a re- as a receiver. Um so it's just a thing of he seems to have chemistry with Russ, and maybe you know, not having that chemistry with the other quarterbacks is why we didn't see him use as much as a receiver, as a receiver. And I don't think he played a whole lot of snaps. He seemed to get pulled pretty early after maybe 10 or so snaps. So it's limited sample size, but we know he's not a good run blocker. He can talk about how he's improved all he wants, but it was something that we needed to see. We didn't see it tonight. Hopefully we see it down the road. Peter says, Eric, you really didn't want to pick up Benito during the draft. Has your opinion changed at all? Um, no, I mean, my concerns with him are still the same and he didn't do anything to ease my concerns about it. He's still a bad run defender that can flash as a pass rusher because he's really quick and has good bend and that's when he did win as a pass rusher that's how he won Um, when he tried to win with strength he kind of got stalled and wasn't able to do anything Um, so it's it's still a concern i mean plenty of time for him to change my opinion it's not a situation where like last year where Patrick tandem came out and immediately got my opinion to change after basically one game albert nopper says henningson shows promise he does and i'm super excited for it and he's a guy that I want to see start getting more reps because and I want to see him against better quality on the offensive line. Even though he saw the second unit of the um, Dallas Cowboys squad, the second unit is, is probably typically a you know third or fourth unit on other teams. So I want to see him get more reps against better competition, see if he can hold up because his strength to two gap. He was able to one gap. He was able to gap and a half. He did it all. He played up and down the offensive line. One of his best plays came as a five tech. Like he was extremely impressive.
1: I remember exactly exactly the play we're talking about where he just bull rushed that guy, then come. It it was a a rip swim over the top and come back and and got back after the quarterback. The the one that really got me though, he was playing as uh, as a. I think it was a, a. two technique where he was over the guard and shot the gap between guard and center for the, uh, the massive quick pressure on uh, who was the, uh, the, the quarterback that's uh, regardless, uh, that was a PJ lock interception play where it, like it was, I thought it was a linebacker on a blitz. Matt henningsen crashed that gap so fast, got after the quarterback and literally destroyed him as he was throwing the football back to the right side. And PJ Locke drove on the football and got the interception great play all the way around Matt Henningsen is probably the star of this game, at least in my opinion, like he played so well, other, either him or Baron Browning.
3: Uh, Michael you Ronquillo. can't go wrong. Uh, wrong. Those were the two best players in the game.
1: Absolutely. There's no question there. Michael Ronquillo jumping in here. Uh, good late evening, Lance and Eric, let's ride and go Broncos. And let's ride Michael. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you for always being here on every single show on the huddle up podcast network. You've been one of the best supporters that we have had, all the way across the network and the platform. And we really appreciate your support jumping back in here as, as well saying, I can't wait until rookie tight end Greg Dulcich plays for the Denver Broncos. Honestly, with, with the way that Albert Oak on played tonight and just the, the way that he was blocking, I have a lot of concerns about Dulcich as well, but Man, I I want to see more. I want to see more from Albert Okuwebanon, and maybe we do get that with Dulcich, especially as a receiver with his straight line ability, his ability to create separation with his route running, that big catch radius. I'm excited for Greg Dulcich, and maybe that might be the guy to really separate himself in this tight end room. What do you think, Eric?
3: Um, Definitely, and hopefully he's able to come back from that hamstring injury sooner rather than later. We know how lingering Hammies can be, you know, a pain in the butt. We had uh, um, KJ Hamler deal with it. Ogie Moody was dealing with it a little bit last year. Like, and both of them missed a lot of time for it. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that we don't see that because this tight end room is, we didn't get to see a lot of it tonight. Eric Thompson had the big catch. He looked really good as a blocker. Andrew Beck was a little rougher on the regs as a blocker, which he is pretty consistent with his career. Um, Eric Saubert, we didn't see a whole lot of. He had some nice blocks, but that was about it. Okoye Benam, we already talked about. So we need to see the rookie out there. We need to see what he can bring because with what he does, he could do a lot to open up this offense.
1: Yeah, he definitely can. And especially with what we saw schematically from this Broncos offense, we saw a lot of deep shots. There were a lot of a, a lot of deep crossing routes, a lot of just – they ran a four verticals concept like three or four different times. We're trying to push the ball down the field and having that big body slot receiver, like, like, like a Greg Dulcich. Yeah. He's a tight end, but you're going to see him split out into the slot a little bit more. So to be able to see that guy that with the, with the vertical, the vertical ability that he does have the ability to take the deep crossing and stuff like that. I, I, I'm so excited to finally not only just conceptualize what he's able to bring, but just to see it on the field. And hopefully that hamstring comes around a little bit faster because man, they, they need some help there. They definitely need some help there with, with a tight end position because while I was, while I was excited about seeing Eric Tomlinson kind of show out there, Oak Webinom, Eric Saubert didn't play tonight. Um, uh, Andrew Beck, they're like, they need to have that guy that can help over the middle of the field.
3: Yeah, they do. And moving to the defensive side of the ball again talking about corners a little bit I mean you and I we've had our conversations off and on about Ojemudia and everything yeah, and Albert I, Alberson, I wasn't impressed with Ojemudia yeah I was a little disappointed showing Ojemudia had that one big play the near interception he had to reach out for it off his fingertips Um, but the thing is is he is still clearly corner five Asangbasi as had a rough showing Ojemudia showed really well as a run def- defender and that's kind of key here is because you want to be tough at the edges or tough outside with your corners against the run. Bossy wasn't um, bossy. He, I mean, he wasn't really targeted in coverage. Bless Austin and Donnie Lewis were bad. bad. Um, those, I mean, I would expect at least one of those two to be part of the cuts on this coming Tuesday, most likely Donnie Lewis. Cause Donnie Lewis was far worse. Um, and then Fayon Hicks, he had a rough showing as well, but he's a rookie that they drafted. So I think that they would give him a little bit longer of a leash Ojemudia, I think that he's on the verge of losing his fourth spot at cornerback. It was definitely a little disappointing watching out there, but there was some positives out of this game.
1: Yeah, Donnie Lewis. It was actually pretty funny because uh, you you were saying that Bless Austin and Donnie Lewis were really bad out there, and like it, Donnie Lewis again, he had a, a I think it was a, a illegal contact penalty or something like that a, a big completion against him and I literally wrote down in my notes on the game Donnie Lewis is cut right as Eric said that like we both saw the exact same thing bless Austin was not great Ojemudia was more up and down and inconsistent mostly so like that was the one that I was I, again I, I've had my my head wrapped around this idea that Michael Ojemudia might be a guy that could potentially be a surprise cut as Peter Middleton comes in here. I don't think that that's going to happen, but a a potential trade piece. So to see him go out there, he had that one drive on the football where he damn near picked it off and took it to the, uh, took it to the house. He also had a deep completion that was let up. He had a pass interference penalty that I didn't think that was necessarily pass interference. I thought it was better coverage than to draw the flag, but Ojemudia is a guy that we got to see more. You're you're going into year 3 and the Broncos need another boundary player at the cornerback position and he has to be more consistent. He has to play better.
3: Yeah, he does. And it's just a simple thing of he's best of what they've got at the moment. That's true. And you're not and you're not finding anybody better. Like you're not no team's going to cut a corner that's better that offers more than what he does. If you're going to trade for one that's going to cost you a lot like for now they just seem kind of stuck with him. And yeah. maybe he's able to turn it around. He's shown enough flashes in the game tonight and in the game 17 against the chiefs last year that to continue to work with him, I think. And then, um, ever wanting him back when he's with the Rams and still liking him. I don't think that he gets cut. I don't think he gets traded simply because there's not an option better. It's not like a case of McDelvin a where there are defensive linemen clearly outperforming him and so you do dangle him as a trade piece. And if not, then yeah, you cut him because you're getting, you have players that are outperforming him. That's yeah. not the case with Ojemudia.
1: Yeah. Uh, Kay Davidson saying first off that uh, they don't think that uh, Michael Ojemudia is going to be cut. I don't necessarily think that that's the case, but there's an out tra- outside chance that that does potentially happen. Oh, no, there's no- I, 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 I I said outside chance, outside nope. chance, like 5% chance. It, like, no. give, give me a break here. Come on, man. Uh, Anyways, so the next <laughs> thing that they say is uh, Caden Stearns impressed me the most in the secondary tonight, to be honest. I agree, but also disagree with that. I, I thought that Caden Stearns played really well in his run fits, and he made a lot of plays in the box and was flying around everywhere all over the field. But he was out of position a lot. Eric, I, I, I thought that he was – he was flying from decent angles and he he made a lot of plays, but there were times where he was, could have been better positioned to stop plays for less yardage. Like he he could have been a little bit quicker to the football, in my opinion. I, I like Caden Stearns, but there was something off about him just a little bit tonight.
3: I did not write a single note about Caden Stearns. (laughs) It is a way is a good thing. And it's a bad thing. He didn't do anything super impressive enough for me to catch. Um, note of him, and nothing bad enough to be like, hey, yeah, that was really bad. So uh, He's one that when I go back and watch again, I'll have to focus in and try to see him, but watching it live, being able to, you know, having to go with the time flow of the game, I wasn't able to go back and recheck plays. He just didn't do anything of note for me.
1: Yeah, it Being able to see the All-22 because, first off, my very first takeaway at the very beginning of the game, Eric can attest to this, my first takeaway was get a better media crew, guys, because the camera angles and the way that they were doing things at the very beginning of the game was absolutely atrocious. Come on, please. At least focus on the game and not – granted, they're the new owners uh, and they want to have the interview and stuff like that, but we want to watch the game, not the interview with the – That's
3: not even the worst part. I I understand why they showed the interviews. They could have easily – you know gone they ended up doing it they put the they just put the interview with the new owners on the bigger part of it and the game on right, the smaller yeah. part where you could barely see it the bigger issue was the two plays where they just stayed on the quarterback as they were throwing downfield like that play. was where the two the two issues were with it like it was bad fortunately they fixed it fortunately we didn't have to do it and they had another one with an interview when they were doing with Cortland sutton as well um but i mean before we get out of here it's it's running late and, I'm absolutely exhausted. I was up super early, excited for the game. Outside of Donnie Lewis, since we kind of touched on him, and if you say Ojemudia, I'm so done with you. Two players that you think are cut from this roster based off of tonight's game, which obviously there's a whole bunch of practices that we haven't seen that will play into this factor. Team meetings, a lot that we don't. Based off this game, two players that stood out for you as guys that like, okay, it's time for you to go.
1: Ajeem was the very first one that, that comes to mind. Honestly, I thought that while he had some flash plays in the passing game, he was that bad in the running game. Guys, he was just absolutely awful. I, I again, I, I said it earlier in the show. He was pushed off the ball so many times, uh, multiple times, three, four, five yards down the field. That was the the one that really stood, like stood out to me. That is potentially in this first round of cuts. The other one was Zach Johnson, the uh, the offensive tackle. He was bad, 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 bad in pass protection and in the running game. Multiple assignments where he didn't uh, didn't hit his reach blocks. Uh, he just got dominated by, I don't even know the guy's name, but there was like three or four different times where like bull rushed back into the quarterback, uh, spin moves that, that got hit on him. Um, there was a push pull that, that got hit on him. Zach Johnson was... Just just not good. Uh, I, I also wasn't necessarily very impressed with Tucker. I, I don't know his first name. He's the guard tackle. Uh, Casey Tucker, thank you. I, I wasn't super impressed with him, um, but but those would be the first three guys that, off the top of my head because I was really focused on the trenches tonight, guys. Um, those were the first three guys that come to mind that was like, it, it, it's time for them to just uh, look, for, look for some greener pastures and you're not going to be a part of this team anymore.
3: I don't fully disagree with McDowell Ajim. The thing is, is that he still, I think he offers enough as a pass rusher that you continue to work with him because you don't lose anything by keeping him around for an extra couple weeks. Like for when he cut down to 80, from 85 to 80 or down to 50, you don't lose anything for that, but you can gain something from it. Zach Johnson, I mean, he was a the guy, they cut him after when they signed their undrafted for agents. He was the guy they cut and they brought him back a little bit later, and he was absolutely horrendous. And it didn't matter where they they played him at, because I know they moved him from each side, and they moved him inside as well. It just was bad. I mean, he was consistently beat around the middle, and when he would try to match strength with strength, he was just overpowered. It was extremely rough. The other one is a wide receiver, and it's number 38. I refuse to acknowledge his name, because (laughs) number 38 is a terrible number for a wide receiver, and for that reason alone he should be cut Uh, (laughs) on a serious note though. I was extremely unimpressed with Stevie Scott. I think Max Borgie and Hardy have shown enough to, and don't get me wrong. Hardy wasn't great. He's a little reckless and a little, he's very quick, but he's got to play with more control and patience. Mm -hmm. Stevie Scott was very much, there's a defender. Let me run right
1: to him. So I I want to bounce this bounce off of this, uh, like kind of dovetail this conversation a little bit about Jaquan Hardy, because there was a play where he, he caught a screen pass, and we had a comment here from Albert Knoppers about Graham Glasgow maybe being a, a, a potential surprise cut. I don't think so. I, I no. was really impressed with Graham Glasgow playing center. I thought he held up well in pass protection. But on this specific play, it was a screen pass to Jaquan Hardy out in the flat in the red zone. And Graham Glasgow and I, I don't know who the who the guard was, they actually got out in front and cleared out a linebacker. They cleared out a, a, a safety there was a wide receiver up front Hardy literally ran to the boundary rather than waiting for those blocks to set up and if he cuts it back inside that would have been a touchdown like like that was a great play great design great setup from everybody in front Hardy just has to run with more patience like you cannot be so ready to get the ball down the field wait for things to set up in front of you and then go make a play.
3: Yeah, Albert, we love you. It was great meeting you. We're excited for the mailboxes. Yes, but Glasgow seems kind of cemented as the primary backup guard center. Yep. Um, and they kept him out there. They for a long portion of the game, and he looked good. Um, there was a couple rough moments, which that happens with anybody, no matter the experience. Even the best tackle in the in football, Trent Williams, makes mistakes every now and every now and then. But on that screenplay, the guard that was there, and I was very disappointed with it because he kind of – he wasn't paying attention or had the awareness or the head has head on the swivel to follow the running back's path. And instead, he cuts it inside, and that was Quinn Bailey. And I was very disappointed in that because that was one thing that previous in previous preseason games and some regular season action, he's pr- done pretty well. He stayed with the flow of the play, with the, the flow of the running back or the receiver, whoever it was he happened to be getting out in front of. And he didn't tonight. And uh, on that screenplay, and that was very um, concerning. Another guy that real quick that I think is a could be that surprise cut second year player safety, Jamar Johnson. He was very clearly the last safety to come out on the field. And yes, he almost had that interception. But I mean, the dude is like, I'm just going to stand here and wait for the ball. I'm not going to go attack the ball. You can't do that. And the result of the play is why. And there were a couple times where he clicked and closed rather well, but it didn't matter because it was like a gnat hitting me, like something really small or me like running over my daughter because I see a bowl of ice cream. Like it's something like that. Like (laughs) Demar Johnson just brings no strength or power or anything into his tackling. And it does nothing to slow down the receiver like at all.
1: So I, I actually wanted to ask you this because I, this is my last thing I wanted to hit on before we get out of here, guys. The down roster guys that are flashing, whether in a good or a bad way. Uh, we talked about Quinn Bailey, and my notes literally say Quinn Bailey is definitely not a guard. He was way better nope. at tackle tonight than he was at guard. Uh, the next one was Graham Glasgow at center is chef's kiss because I thought that he played very well. Um, the two that we haven't got to yet are Brett Ripon and I, want to kind of scrap that Marquis spencer looking really bad and inconsistent and then this last one was jamar johnson and how he's fighting for a practice squad spot because he was so inconsistent in his coverage and yeah he dropped that interception but you know who caused the 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 bad ball placement on that throw the guy that we highlighted at the very top of the show it was matt henningson getting interior pressure up the middle to drive another bad throw So I do want one more thing really quickly. We touched on him just a little bit. Surprise guy that like showed the most in the limited action, the limited targets that was uh, just tremendous tonight was Jalen Virgil. That was the other down roster guy that I had. Jalen Virgil just shows the, the speed, the athleticism, the, the, the high point ability with the football. He looked absolutely tremendous tonight, guys. So Eric, do you got anybody else you want to point out here before we do some matters of business and close the showdown tonight?
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't think Johnson's even competing for a practice squad spot. I mean, he was very clear. The last guy, yeah. Jr. Reed looked really good out there. Yes, he, did. And, yes, he did, And um, he was brought in for special teams and he looked good on defense. I mean, he was a clicked and closed just as well. Didn't have that near interception, but when he met up, he brought force and yeah. that is um. And then you touch on Marquis Spencer. who's a guy I wanted to touch on before we get out of here too. Um, he is so frustrating because he has no discipline in his play style. And if you guys pay attention to things, I say discipline is huge for me. I will always reward players in my draft rankings, wherever, if they play with discipline, he has no discipline whatsoever but sometimes he just makes it work. His nickname needs to be wild man because he plays like a wild man out there with no control, no discipline, just all over the place. And there are multiple times he blew up the play, but there are multiple times where he just created an open lane with McElvin, Ajim getting shot out the ball. And he just pushes too far outside and that. And so it was rough. And then Aaron Patrick, I thought he had a good game. Not a great game. It was a good game. All. And he looked really good on special teams, though, which is the big thing. And he showed enough flashes on defense to continue working with. Special teams is enough to make him on the roster or is to put him on the roster. Defense is a, the flashes on defense is a good reason to keep working with him on defense.
1: Yeah. I got one last guy really fast. We haven't touched on him yet. Haven't even mentioned his name specifically. But Enioma Awazurike, guy that I was really high on coming into this. I thought that he was up and down, like it was super hit and miss because there were times where he was blown off the ball, but then there was times where he was creating incredible penetration. He had one place specifically towards the end of the game where he was lined up as a two-eye technique. So inside of the uh, inside of the guard shoulder next to the center, and then went around the center all the way around on a it was a blitz package, and he was a stunt coming all the way around. Got a big, huge pressure. Actually, that was the play that Jamar Johnson had the uh, um, the, the near interception. The near end, yeah. yep. I thought that while the flashes were there, I'm still wanting a little bit more with him because he has the strength, he has the length, he has everything you want. But it's just not there consistently. What did you think of Owasarike tonight?
3: His biggest issue is he's got to improve at getting off blocks. Yes. There are multiple times where I thought he held up Fairly well against run. Sometimes he got driven off, mostly against double teams. But there was one play where he was standing right there, and he goes to get off. And his whole way of getting off is kind of like sidestepping the block instead of like disengaging. And that doesn't work. You have to disengage. You have to get the blockers' hands off of you. Otherwise, when you go to steps to the side, back step, whatever it is, they have complete control over your body. um That is something he's got to work on. He's got to get be able to get off that use that length of his like that was the big my the biggest thing i noticed is like when he did go to disengage he wasn't using his length no nope. it's a it's a weapon like use it
1: yeah that that needs to be his first initial part of contact where when he comes off the ball his hands are still down and he gets his head in there he gets his shoulder pads in there he gets chest to chest but if he could get his hands out in front of him He can be so much better, and when he does do that, it's elite. Like It's literally an elite-level player, but he's so inconsistent with his upper body, his hand technique, and stuff like that. It's frustrating because when you see him do it the right way, he's off of blocks. He makes incredible pressure. He does so much different things with his his twitch, his burst, his bend ability. He actually has some bend. For a 315-pound player, he bends his waist and gets around the edge. It's so fun to watch, but he's just got to be a little bit more – consistent with that upper body play and the technique that he needs there with that though guys we do have to get out of here um we got a hard one hour limit so we've got about four minutes so i've got to do some quick matters of business thank you all again for joining us on the dove valley deep divers podcast you all can find us on Twitter by following me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, find the pod, Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast at DVDD underscore pod. It's a great way to keep in touch with what's going on with the Dove Valley Deep Divers. We'll throw some takes out there occasionally. But for the most part, most part you're going to find out what we're talking about every single Friday. Again, guys, while you're at it, at Mile High Huddle. That's some other account where you guys are going to find breaking news and analysis, uh, film breakdowns, opinion articles, anything regarding your Denver Broncos. That's where you guys are going to get it. Folks, if you're financially able to do so, whether on the shows with stars, donations, or super chats, or whatever it may be, if you guys want to support the show, help us grow out just a little bit, HuddleUpPod.com. Get you guys a hat, get yourself a T-shirt, Anything, there's something from every single show, um, just uh, anything regarding Mile High Huddle. There's a hat, t-shirt, hoodies, face masks, coffee cups, teddy bears, onesies for your babies. Does not matter. Huddle Up Pod is a great way to do that. Um, And guys, if you're not financially able to do so, please, no matter what, the ticker on the bottom of the screen, this helps out more than you guys even know. Subscribe everywhere to mile high huddle youtube facebook twitter twitch apple Podcasts, spotify spreaker anywhere you guys get your podcast subscribe to mile high huddle like every video and podcast and article and everything you see on social media across all platforms and if you love it please share it because without your guys' support we could not do what we do best which is cover our denver broncos and with that eric we have to get out of here but first things first any last minute takeaways Before you go in, I know how you are. You're probably going to have some sleep tonight. But first thing in the morning, you're going to do a double and maybe triple take of this game to kind of find all of the the fine tuning and all of your, you know, further film breakdowns and stuff like that. Anything else while we have you tonight?
3: I mean, super excited for it. Um, We'll definitely have a gut reaction next week. I don't know who will be doing it. Um, But football's back, man. Like, it's – it's super exciting like football is back it's feels so good no more boring conversations of trying to or trying to figure out what to talk about we actually have football we have games we can talk about previews matchups all this stuff super exciting so make sure you guys tune with tune in with us and every show every night except for saturdays typically at 6 p.m mountain and we are especially on uh we specifically are on friday night's at 6 p.m. mountain with the dove valley deep divers
1: yeah dvdd every friday night 6 p.m mountain time 8 p.m eastern uh please guys make sure you join in with us join in the conversation come and get our deep dive takes and everything we appreciate every single one of you for joining us tonight as we break down what happened with the, the broncos against the dallas cowboys preseason week one thank you all again for joining us tonight we will see you guys not necessarily the same place but the same time next friday on Dove Valley Deep Divers, y'all stay safe. Oh, it'll take be care. earlier
3: in the night because this well,
1: was, was late. That's your truth. Fine, whatever. I'm I'm doing my reads. Come on, man, leave me alone. Uh, anyways, we'll see you guys uh, next Friday at least 6 p.m. Uh, y'all stay safe, take care, have a great rest of your weekend. It was great to watch a Broncos win, and as always, go Broncos. We'll see you later, guys.
0: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore.